It is 9.34, and joining me now for our segment, Master Gardeners Gardening with Barb and Karen, is Barb Lamson. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Karen. How are you this cold morning? You know, I'm doing good because I know that the days are getting longer. When we when I drive my son to school, we all say, look at the sun. Look how bright it is. And, and even at night going home, it's not so dark. So that gives me hope and excitement toward gardening. Yes, it just perks you up. And I don't mind the cold when we have the sunshine with it. I just think, oh my goodness, all those plants at home, this is like the energy that they need to run their little factories. And they're doing great things. We have a question this week. And the question is, uh, the person says, I know what my cold zone is, but not my heat zone. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we'll talk about that just a little bit. First of all, the cold zone here is four, and it is 4B. We're right on the edge of going into five, and that may happy happen soon as we see climate change. But so that tells us uh, when we buy something, if we get the right cold zone, that if it says zone four on it, it will survive our winters. It's about how cold it gets and how what plant, if we can tolerate if the plant will live or not. And there but, are pockets of five in our state. So, yes. I mean, down here, it's marginal. So unless you've got, as you say, a microclimate that's protected, you don't want to risk it because you'll spend money on it and you might lose it because the winters are a little too tough. But there are, and because of the climate has been warming up, I think there's becoming more. Yes, and that's true. And we'll see that reflected in the things that are available in our nurseries. So now when we come to the heat zone, so why is that important? You know, I we, never think of the heat zone, honestly. Right. And, you know, we dwell on, I was thinking about this, how many ways do we have to talk about our winter and our snow <laughs> and our our freezing winds and uh, all of these things? There are just so many adjectives. We're just so involved with cold. Let me count the ways. Yes, exactly. So <clears throat> equally important to us um, are the number of days that we have heat. And that's what the heat zone does. It tells you how many days you have a temperature in uh, during the year over 86 degrees. Now, for example, uh, the map that we have goes from zone one, which not surprisingly is Alaska. They have the fewest days over 86. They have one day over 86 degrees. Wow. So they're zone (laughs) one. And by the way, the way the glaciers and things are melting there, uh, it may not get uh, really hot there, but they are getting more warm days too. Now, last summer was exceptionally long season for us. I mean, it just seemed like we had so many warm days. We did, and we had lots of nice rain in August too, which was really, really good for us. So now... Uh, Minnesota and our part of southern Minnesota on the heat zone map is uh, listed as zone 5. So what we had was we have 30 to 45 days that are 86 degrees are above. And I I can believe that. And it seemed to me like last year, we had a span where we had to run our air conditioning for two weeks straight. We just had, and it didn't cool down that much at night. So that's what uh, the map is. It's put forth by the American Horticulture Society. And it's good to know because there are some plants that just do not like it hot at all. And 
those plants, if we know that, then we can plant them in shadier areas or we can be ready to water them more. Some plants won't even set buds on if it's too hot. And right. that's what I find so interesting about going to Alaska. The the poppy that they have there, the Himalayan poppy, which is a beautiful blue poppy. Uh, we, we can grow it here, but we would never get flowers on it because our temperatures too get hot. too hot. Well, it's yep. the same thing with, with uh, plants like your lettuce and your your spinach and things like that, when it gets too hot, they bolt, meaning they tend to grow super fast. And so then they get a bitter flavor and get kind of just not very good. And so sometimes when you plan your garden, you can plan it so there's something taller in front, like whether it's whole beans that shade them a little and give them a little cooler microclimate, so to speak. And so there are things that you have to be cognizant of. Right. The other thing is, when you're looking at uh, friends' gardens or public plantings, notice what they're planting. If you found something in a seed catalog or you're seeing it offered someplace and you've never seen it here before, maybe it's because it's not the cold, but it's the heat zone that we're in. So, it, which brings us to another definition, which is uh, the three, the annual, biannual, and perennial. Uh, when something is listed as an annual, uh, that means it's going to live one year. Now, you may say, well, gee, I've had that for several years in my garden. Well, yes, but it receded. It wasn't that it grew from that plant. Then if you have a biannual, what you're going to do is you're going to get it one year, it's going to grow. The next year, it's going to bloom for you, and then it's going to die. So it has a two-year cycle on it. And it doesn't the, bloom the first year, though. No, it doesn't. See, I, but, that's why I never plant biennials. I just don't have the patience to wait and have something taking up space. I agree. I, what are some examples? Um, I, Holly, I, not hollyhock. Um, foxglove, no. No, North no, North. no. The, the problem with foxglove, and it depends on the size plant that you get. You may get a a real mature plant that you can buy at the nursery, and it really is a a biennial. So it's blooming for you, but it's been growing a year before you got it. So so that's, that's one of the things, too. It will tell you on your label or on your seed packet what it is. Um, hollyhocks sort of are a biennial. They, they start from seed. The first year you get a nice healthy plant. You may get some growth on it and then the next year you'll see that plant coming back up again. And it's kind of tricky. When you think you lost a plant, you really didn't. It was really a biannual plant for you. It does say hollyhocks are on the biannual list. Yep. The list yep. Sweet Williams. It also says onions and parsley and Lettuce and celery are also on that list as well. I've never seen parsley come up a second year. I haven't either. No, no. And the same way with lettuce, I've had when I've let it go to seed. Yes. But what it's doing, it's reseeding itself. Now, a perennial, of course, uh, if you've got the plant for the right area, that will then come up every year if you meet all the other conditions. But that's so important that if it's a shade plant, it's in the shade. If it's sun, you know, and when they talk about sun requirement being six hours, that means six continuous hours. Right. Doesn't mean three in the morning and three in the afternoon or or whatever. Because I've had some where they'll say partial sun versus partial shade, and you better, if it says partial sun, you got to err on the side of more sun. Right. And then, of course, the other thing is, uh, 
if you have provided the right uh, growing conditions so that you've got good soil, uh, amend your soil, make sure it's as important to have loose soil so there are air pockets as it is to put in some kind of a fertilizer because the roots absolutely need uh, space to develop in and the uh, microorganisms that live in the soil, they also need that space. So that's really an important thing. So a few things to know when you're going about and you're looking at plants. Now, Here's something that I discovered last week when I was scouting my plants. And I'm very fortunate, so my time is my own. Because you're retired. Yes, I am retired Mm -hmm. and not tired. And so I love gardening and just taking the plants and and showering them off and watering them and and taking care of them. And I have a jade tree that I've been... uh, using uh, supports in to bring it upright rather than being so bent over. I like that shape better. So I am working with that. And what I found uh, when I was in my uh, southern window uh, was a ladybug. And I thought, oh my goodness, a ladybug in the house. Asian beetle or ladybug? No, it was a ladybug. Oh, really? And, And so I thought, well, if I have a ladybug... I may have aphids because ladybugs are, they love aphids. That's why sometimes even in uh, catalogs, seed catalogs, they'll sell ladybugs yes. because you then you bring them to your place and they will help with the aphids. However, I did that, Barb. I bought a bunch of ladybugs. But like Al Bat would say, how do you guarantee that they're going to stay there? It's well, not like you can put a fence around them. No, no. And the thing with, with uh, doing that is that when they finish feasting on your aphids, they take off Move for on. someplace where they're easier again. You may get more aphids back, right. but they're not waiting to see. So I was doing this scouting, and I thought, you know, okay, so I believe that... A good defense is a good offense, and that's the best. And I have washed these plants. I have only healthy plants. I have good potting soil. I have humidity. <coughs> Excuse me. I <coughs> all these things. So, lo and behold, I found one of the cuttings that I'd taken from the hibiscus, and there were aphids oh. on that. So the thing that I did was I isolated it in the bathroom. It still gets light in there. And I went through and I used a magnifying glass. And I could see these nasty little, they're greenish colored. They can be dark. And those are the aphids. And they were on the stem. Oh, so they were kind of hiding. Yes. And they were clinging to that. And so I did a thorough job of washing. Now, if you think you're going to have aphids that have already spread or might spread to something else. You can use uh, you can use insecticidal soap to spray those plants. It it's the idea is that aphids suck the juice out of leaves and the stems. So by putting something on there that they don't like, you're gonna they're they're gonna avoid that. You can also make a spray out of garlic that you grind up add water, strain it, and put it in a spray bottle. Or you can use a hot pepper spray, which is, and I've never done that because the idea of grinding hot peppers, um, 
I, th- you have to be very, very careful. You don't want to that. inhale them, get them in your eyes. Yeah, touch some, right. touch your face, or touch something not good. But you can also buy a spray bottle that has an upward spraying nozzle on it. That is very helpful with any of these things because as you work the lever on it, it will squirt up into the underside of the leaf. Yeah, because often you miss that part uh, of the That's plant. That's where they're at. And, and, and then get the stems really well, too. So that's one way. Or here's my favorite solution. If things don't look better in the next week to 10 days, junk it. It's, yeah. it's done. You're not going to risk it. It's just not worth it. And as I mentioned before, we had somebody bring a plant in the building that wasn't vetted, so to speak, and, and brought in a bunch of uh, bugs or something. And it's it's on the other half of the hall that I know about, and I'm still very carefully watching to make sure hopefully we don't get it on our side. I went over and took a look at that, and uh, it, that's that's really bad. That's not being responsible when you do that. You may love your plant, but honestly, uh, once you get a real infestation, it's going to be a lot of work. Keep it in isolation because uh, these bugs, especially on um, the aphids, when they're in that flying stage, they go from that nymph stage to that where they fly. Then they that's when you use the sticky yellow strips. Then you can catch them on there. But even that is difficult. So knowing the different stages of what you're dealing with too will also help you with that. Now, humidity. I tell you what, my coleus. Now, you may get sick of hearing me talk about this, (laughs) but I think coleus has got to be one of my favorite indoor-outdoor plants. And for people who don't know, coleus are grown for their foliage because they've got different colors, whether it's burgundy or chartreuse or different shades of green or mixtures, and they're mainly grown because of their leaves. And I have started some from cuttings. Now, mine are not doing so great, and so we were just discussing that. You were bragging about yours, and I said, well, why aren't mine doing so well? You know, the the thing of it is they love humidity. And I don't, I'm not doing anything for the humidity. Right. And if you take a look at the leaf, the thinner the leaf is, the more they will lose moisture. And when it's dry in your house, the moisture evaporates right out of the leaf. And then what the plant does, it goes to the root and the root takes the moisture out of the soil. And when that happens, then you've got this browning on your tips and mm-hmm. that, and you're losing leaves. So by bringing in more humidity, and you can do this. It it doesn't have to be that you have to buy... Um, a special humidifier or something? No. I, I have... You t- do have a little one. I have, I have, and I have a bigger one, okay. too. And the bigger one I'm using for the coleus, but... If you can include some humidity in your house, also, if you are having a problem, you can take your plants and you can put them where you naturally have more humidity, which is by the kitchen sink. You know, I was just thinking where ours is located. It's by a giant window in the living room, but there's also a heat vent right below where they are. So I'm oh, sure that's probably part of absolutely. my problem or a big part of it. Yeah, that that certainly would be. And, you know, when, when we have... Uh, in the summertime, when it's so wet and the leaves get wet, too much humidity, and then... You get th- fungus problems. Yes. And so then we put in ventilation. So when you've got 
the opposite thing going on, and you've got heat, plus you've got a fan there moving the things around. They're drying even more. Not not good. So I would suggest, you know, if you can move those plants away from that heat register, and then also... Then I move them away from the window. That's the problem. Well, you know, they're going to take... They're going to take some um, less less light there, especially if if they've got the humidity. If everything else is is good for them, I would say that try that and see if that doesn't improve things. The other thing about the coleus that I love so much is the leaves on them. Some of the leaves on them are uh, big. They're really they're not small heart shaped leaves anymore. They're really big. They're about half the size of my hand. And the edges, rather than just being smooth, are roughly. And I love that look That look of them. That's and some of them almost are thicker and have a texture to them, and I, I just think that is so great as well. Yeah, anything like that, and when you put it out in your garden again, it, uh, it breaks up the monotony if you've got just a lot of one color of something or a lot of hostas. You can put these out, you can put them in pots or you can plant them directly in the soil. I think it's really a good plant for the money. And if you haven't been in to a nursery and looked at coleus, oh my goodness, do that. For the most part, they're very, very hardy plant, excellent plant to have. So, but don't forget about the uh, house, uh, about the humidity. Another thing I wanted to talk about today, I was out shopping yesterday and I saw a store that was offering uh, seeds that were in a pre-planted into a box, uh, into a pot, no, into a, a plastic thing. And 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 that's meant for like a I suppose a Valentine's Day gift. Oh, We've seen these before, sure. and they ha- they have a little cardboard thing you take off. You know, here is the thing: if you give something like that to somebody else, be sure that they understand that if you're giving them a tomato seeds that are planted, they're not watered, but they're planted in there. This isn't the time to start no. to activate them. You're going to wait at least until April 15th. That is the recommended day for tomatoes in Minnesota. And that is the risk of giving things like that when you give it to someone who's really doesn't know about plants. I mean, you're setting them up for failure, essentially, because they're going to get this and, oh, this is so great, start watering, and yes. then all of a sudden figure out, why did this die? What and did gets, I do? And it gets, it probably, what will happen if you've got good light and good humidity, it'll probably, it'll just keep growing, it'll get bigger and bigger, and it's, you can't put a great big leggy plant outside and and think that it's going to survive. It might, but you put all that love and care into it, and you'd like to see something really nice happen with it. So hold off. Now, if you were given a gift of, let's say, uh, parsley seeds, and, and they're in this container, and all you have to do is add water, you, you could grow that on your windowsill, and that would be okay. And as it grows, as it gets taller, you keep cutting it off and using it. But the most important thing about those uh, containers that have seeds in them that are ready to go, all you do is add water, is they should have complete instructions on them. I don't care if you've been gardening for uh, a thousand years or just... (laughs) Or 35 or whatever. Or giving this to someone who's been gardening a long time. They should have complete instructions on them that tell you how long it takes for the seed to germinate what the requirements are. How often do you water? 
and they should also have good drainage. To give somebody something that doesn't have good drainage, I saw some um, um, uh, hyacinth that were in a pot, a very nice decorative pot, but they didn't have good drainage. This is such a difficult thing to do because as you water, uh, if you water too much, it's going to accumulate in the bottom. You get root rot. Yeah, you get root rot. You create problems. And I do see a lot of those decorative containers, especially, I know you love amaryllis, but a lot of times when they sell those amaryllis in individual containers, they're pretty pots, but they don't have holes in the bottom. And that's right. when you're going to get rotting and, and things that are going to go wrong. And you don't know why if you don't know about plants. And it's, yeah, you've got a pretty container, but if it doesn't have that hole for drainage, it's worthless. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if you're going to give plants, and I love the idea of giving plants anytime or starting a garden, um, a mini garden like that, that that's really great. But be sure you get instructions and be sure you know that the person that's getting it wants it and knows what to do with that. Right. A, a gift is, is, is all the thought that counts, but if it's you know going to be set them up for failure, that's sort of a disappointment. And of course, you know, if, if a person that you know loves plants, maybe you can just give them fresh cut flowers. There's so many beautiful uh, roses now, every color and bicolors, and uh, they're just lovely. So uh, don't hesitate. Give plants or flowers. Yeah, Valentine's Day is coming up, so people might be thinking about giving flowers, and there's some that last longer than than others so there you are. can uh you know if you want them to be around for a while uh you know ask your florist which ones last because roses don't last that long and it depends on how fresh said, they are too how fresh they are and here's what i do with roses i like roses i may not buy a whole dozen but i'll buy a couple at a time every single day i recut the stem and okay. put, it, mm-hmm. put it back in the, cut the stem at an angle, put it back in the water, and make sure that it's clean. And when you get the rose, if they don't have the foliage cleaned off, always make sure that foliage is cleaned off from any plant that's going to go into water. Yeah, you don't want any of that the leaves in the, the water at all, or they're just no. going to rot and make a slimy old mess. Yeah, you'll have bacteria in your water then, and then they won't last a long time. And we never put cut flowers in the sunshine that will just bring an end to it quickly so uh find out do you have any other secrets besides cutting every day do you use people i know they have special floral preservative and some say use sugar water some you know there's all kind of myths out there what i i I think those preservatives are really good especially if you have a dozen roses you have a big investment there and uh, as soon as you bring your plants home i recut them the flower home i recut it i put it back into fresh water with the preservative that comes and then with a dozen roses or so I'll wait a few days and then I'll just add water into that so that it's good water and then uh, after about the fourth or fifth day I'll recut them again. So I've had roses last much longer than I ever thought possible. As a matter of fact, you know, my lovely neighbor, Mrs. J, I love to give her uh, plants for uh, Valentine's Day. She gets so excited. You'd think she was 10 years old. She's so excited about her plants, and she watches over them and talks to them, and and it reports to me every single day. And, And then she always wants to get the right instructions, and so I'll tell her, okay, I'll come over and I'll recut it for you if you don't want to recut them. So it's it's just really fun to share your love of something like that with someone else. Absolutely. And, you know, if you want to buy flowers, I, you know, the thing is when you do it with Valentine's Day, a lot of times 
there's such a demand that sometimes just wait maybe and you get better selection later. I don't know. You know, because otherwise you kind of get everything at once and they're using everything. So I don't know. It seems to me like they'd run out of all the good stuff, but I may be wrong. I like to get a rose that's still kind of tight and it's not fully open. And the same is true for uh, any of these spring bulbs, the tulips, the daffodils, any of those. Uh, The majority really shouldn't be fully open. They should, when you give it to the person, they should have the joy of watching them open up. They can't be tight, but they have to be starting to open. Yeah, th- then you'll get a lot longer enjoyment out of yes, them as you well. Will. So. Yes, you will. And so far as spring bulbs, daffodils, uh, uh, tulips, any of those, yes, you can put them back out in your garden. But as soon as they get done blooming, you cut off the stem, the entire stem. Don't let Not the, the leaves. Not the leaves. That's let, their food factory. That's, that's exactly right. And then... Uh, continue to take care of them like you would any healthy plant. And then in the spring, you can plant them out into the garden or you can dry them off and put them in a cool place until fall. But as long as the foliage is green, you have to keep them growing. Otherwise, they won't have the energy to put up their bloom next year. And quite frankly, it's pretty difficult to do that. Right. So if you do get those those spring blooming uh, they're bulb gardens is what they are. They're beautiful, but like yeah. you said, you got to make sure you care for them right if you want them to come back. Otherwise, right. they're throwaways. Yep, exactly. All right. Anything else, Barb, before we go? Oh, let's let's remind people they should register now for the Spring Alive, the uh, educational workshop being put on by the Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners coming up on February. It's a Saturday, the 24th. And if you register by the 15th of February, you get a discount on the... the right. um, the uh, the fee. The fee, yep. yep. And so there's some great speakers coming in, and we'd love to see you there. Barb and I will be there. It's from noon or from 8 till noon on Saturday, February 24th. It'll be held at the South Central College. We right. got somebody talking about shade gardening with hostas and somebody talking about bringing beneficial insects and other things to your yard to help get rid of the bad ones. And then... And then Dr. Hobby talking about my favorite topic, which is water and how we care for it, how we save it for future generations, what the statistics tell us, what the science tells us it has been going on, why our water is getting polluted. So come ask your questions. Um, we have door prizes, too, by well, the way. there's some really great ones. Yes, there are. So 15 bucks, what a deal. Yeah, so if you uh, want to know more about that, you can actually call Barb, and she'll be answering the phone now. It's 507-389-5678. That's 507-389-5678. Or you can go to the Blue Earth County Extension.